Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. With me, as always, is my host, my co-host, as well as DFS fantasy writer, Ryan Whitfield, and uh, my name is Hakun Wong, I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Football Garbage Time, and we are lucky tonight to have a special guest join us from the Burgundy and Gold Report, it's Adam and Eva. Welcome back, Adam, how you doing? I'm doing great, man, thanks for having me on again, man. Oh, it's always good to have you on the show, man, and for a while we had you basically as a regular, Uh, so I feel like I haven't talked to you in forever. I'm having a little bit of an Adam withdrawal here, so it's great to have you on the show again. (laughs) Uh, And I know, you know, we were just talking about working from home, so man, it's it's a crazy, crazy time here, but I know you've been cranking out content on the Burgundy and Gold, and we'll talk more about that when we get uh, talking about the Washington football team later in the show, but it's good to see that things are still running and things are, are going there. You're, you're doing all right, hanging in there in this in this time, uh, working from home and cranking out content for the Burgundy and Gold? Yeah, it's, you know, it's been an interesting time, and I think it's given opportunities for people like me and you and other, you know, podcast hosts to have, um, you know, uh, players and different people in the media on their shows because I actually was able to interview seventh-round pick uh, uh, James Smith-Williams from the Redskins and Julie Donaldson and a lot of people I know for the local media have been really getting involved with some of the others. So, you know, it's it's a unique time, but I think it's a positive time for, you know, people that are, you know, in the industry like us, you know, independent, just, you know, trying to make a name for our brand. Yeah, no, that's great. That's fantastic news. But, you know, let's not not kid around here. We've had prospects and, and draft picks going to you for quite some time now, Adam. You didn't need the pandemic to get them uh, to get them on interview them uh, no on, on your site, but uh, but it's good to see that you're getting some progress on that one. It's fantastic, and that's why everyone should go to the Burgundy and Gold Report and check that out because there's always some great content there. Adam always bringing us the inside scoop. Now I got a question for you in light of uh, the concern about whether we're going to have an NFL season or this year, and we're going to talk about that a little later in the show. But um, let me ask you this question. You know, assuming, God forbid, <laughs> that you won't be able to uh, watch or analyze football, uh, what's your favorite hobby or pastime outside of doing that? Um, I would say, you know, especially I guess during this time of year, you just swimming, you know. Like, luckily I have, you know, relatives that live close by and they have a pool. So, you know, just, you know, getting outside, yeah. you know, swimming with my oh. kids, just, you know, playing and you know, just just staying active, you know, just like anybody else. I love to watch movies. I love action movies. I love, you know, anything, oh, yeah. you know, that basically going to find on Netflix, I'll, I'll find to watch. But for the most part, you know, as much as I can get outside, you know, the better. Yeah, I can, and I'll say this. this it took the pandemic to get me there. But traditionally, you know, it's like throughout history, I'm not a big fan of my in-laws. But right now, they are awesome because I'd rather see real people than not real people. But it right. took, a, took a viral infection for me to get on board with my in-laws, but I'm I'm there now. They're they're cool people now. I like to have them over. Hey Ryan, how? You- can you hear me? Hobby or pastime? Yeah, sure do. Best hobby or pastime? What's your, uh, what's your up? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's crazy. That's what I was just saying. This is amazing. This is like, you know, we got the trifecta here. Ryan showed up. We don't have technical difficulties. The show's on the road. We got Adam. They've got everything we need. Hey, Ryan, listen, we were just talking to Adam about his favorite hobby or pastime in case the NFL season doesn't take off this year, which we're going to talk about later. 
But uh, what about you? What's your favorite hobby or pastime if it's not watching or analyzing football? Well, I mean, uh, the reason I was two minutes late here was I just got completely immersed and sucked into this fourth OT uh, of Columbus and Tampa Bay in the NHL playoffs right now, which uh, is scheduled to have my Bruins uh, starting, I don't know, sometime around midnight now because i got to take, take care of the ice for an hour in between games. So, um, no, ho- hockey's definitely up there. I mean, I think we know, for me, writing, I uh, prefer to write about football, but uh, do multiple other t- types of writing. Right now I'm, I'm doing a contract gig where I'm writing for a music marketing agency. Um, yep. I'd like to eventually yep. publish a novel, um, which – uh, that's nice. probably the best part of quarantine is I've made the most headway uh, in that book. I've been right, I've been working on it for probably probably a better part of ten years, and it's it's not very Sweet. complete. It's gonna be, it's gonna uh, be so I, awesome I've, when I've you finish it. <laughs> leaps and bounds I've uh, been able to get done since uh, since quarantine started. So uh, and, and, that's uh, probably and that's probably I, what I would say my my most time is spent on. And I and your great novel I assume is going to be is terrific mystery. Ah. Uh, yeah, not really mystery. Right? Horror. I, is that I'm, gonna a be... big, I'm a big horror. I'm a big horror fan, so it's it's really? definitely oh, uh, love that. in the mold of a uh, uh, Stephen King and 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 yes, uh, you know that brilliant. that whole genre of, of writing. So um, okay, yeah. So that's that's the other right. thing right now. I I think I joke about this on the show every year. Uh, when I come back from my vacation at the end of July, um, August to me is the first month of fall because I'm just done with summer. So I've already started my <laughs> horror movie watching for the fall, uh, making my way through. So it's been good. I only have one request. When you finish your book, if I am in your book, please make sure that my character dies last, okay? I don't want to die first. I'm... Well, i got to go back and rewrite right. the first chapter now. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to introduce a character <laughs> who, went on a, who went on an internet radio show and talked about how he hated his in-laws until uh, quarantine, and then they, uh, they got back and killed him. So that's going to be the first chapter. That sounds really familiar. That sounds incredibly familiar. All right, well, we it got, does sound we familiar. <laughs> All right, well, plenty plenty to talk about today as we're going to discuss our thoughts on the most improved teams for 2020. We're going to get a little insight into the Washington football team, and we're going to discuss the impact of the college football scheduling. There's a lot of news to get to on that from just today. So we're going to talk about that and how that might or might not impact the NFL season. So let's get this rolling. All right, plenty of moves this year, really shaking up the landscape, including several QB starters, switching teams, players across the board, playing musical chairs, and really, really deep draft class this year, not to mention several teams already on the rise from 2019. So let's talk about the teams in 2020. And, Adam, let me start with you. Who do you think the most improved team in 2020 will be and why? You know, I started <clears throat> I started liking some of the improvements I saw from them at the end of last year, but I, I really uh-huh. like what the Denver Broncos did. I think that, Ooh. you know, of course, having Jerry Judy fall to them at 15, you know, that was probably one of the steals of the draft. But then also uh-huh. to have, you know, Melvin Gordon, you know, they traded basically, you know, minimal assets for A.J. Bouye, and then they got defensive tackle Jarrell Casey, who's definitely underrated. And then basically reunited luck with his former tight end in Missouri, you know, Albert O. Um, I yep. really like what they did. You know, a lot of guys, uh, you know, one guy that nobody has really been talking about much is, you know, Derek Tezuka, which is their seventh-round pick from North Dakota State. This guy is Jared Jared Allen, if you guys remember him in his time with uh, Kansas City and Minnesota. Um, just yep. the exact, you know, kind of prospect that, you know, it's not going to – be the most flashy prospect for you, but, you know, thinking to have him in addition to Von Miller, what they have going on over there, I think Denver's going to definitely be, you know, one of the most improved surprise teams uh, come, ne- come this season. 
Wow, that's just, uh, I guess quite the hot take there on Denver Broncos. Interesting, and I think, I don't disagree with that. There's a lot of things there that we have to look forward to, including at the quarterback position and seeing if that's the answer for them into the future. Ryan, let's switch over to you here and ask you, who do you think the most improved team will be in 2020 and why? I'm going to cheat and give two answers. Uh, okay. One, because the, <laughs> You're I'll cheat. give you my real what? answer, and then, I'll, and then I'll give the consolation one because I have to do something that I've never done on this show. Um, and oh my gosh! To an or- organization that I've uh, been horrible to over the years, so I'll touch on them secondly. Okay. First off, and I'm close to this one, um, and I and I will say that I think they're a borderline playoff team at best, and maybe with a new format, uh, that'll they'll actually be be able to sneak into the playoffs. But um, they're in one of the tougher divisions. That's the Arizona Cardinals. Um, hmm. And if yes, you really sir. really starts last last year, it was with Kyler Murray. Um, and then you add Kenyon Drake, uh, Chase Edmonds in, in uh, his short, you know, uh, uh, experience there, uh, their short time frame that he was on the field last year uh, was one that I did a stat recently for PFF Arizona that if you just do minimum of 50 rushes, um, I forget what it was, but, but basically I think it was his rushing grade from PFF at a minimum of 50 because he think he had 60 total rushes. He was a top 20 back last year in terms of PFF grades. Now, if you look at total stats, he's going to get lost in the shelf because he played very limited sides. But that's a guy who's got good potential back there. I like the Eno Benjamin pick uh, at Arizona uh, State that they got in the seventh round. Uh, but then obviously the big ones, right? They trade for DeAndre Hopkins for nothing because Billy O'Brien is being – I just don't know why you don't just – I would call Billy O'Brien, and right. I would start with a seventh-round pick, and I'd call him every day and just offer it a little bit more for Deshaun Watson because eventually he'll say yes. Um, yep. <laughs> so, you know, you get the DeAndre Hopkins uh, uh, pick there, which I love. Um, and then, then in, in the drafts, what they did. You know, they have holes in that defense. That defense needs um, a lot of help. Patrick Peterson had a big step back year last year. Uh, Buda Baker's turned into a really, really elite run-stopping safety, but he's not – really there on the pass coverage. Um, and, and, I mean, outside of that, I mean, you, you know, it's, it's Chandler Jones and, and really nothing else. So getting Isaiah Simmons in the first round, uh, the fact that he fell there and they took him was great. But the best part of that entire draft was the fact that they really needed a tackle, and it was a huge tackle class. And the fact that uh, those first couple of tackles went and then somehow Josh Jones fell all the way to them in the third round was, a, was an incredible steal, an absolute great pick um, that, that the Arizona Cardinals went from um, a, a bottom-dwelling team to a team who should be middling and compete. Um, they needed to have another good off-season or two before they're really uh, vying for an NFC championship again, especially in a, in a, a division with the, um, you know, in, in that division with those teams. There, they're going to be uh, hard-pressed to go more than 500 in their own division for the time being. So it'll be tough. But you know, if we're just talking what their prospects were heading into last year when they had the number one overall pick into Kyler Murray versus what it is heading into this year, we're talking leaps mm-hmm. and bounds. Um, the other team yeah. I want to highlight. There's a team that I, I take away from a little bit just because they've been doing it for a couple years now and been really building it properly. Um, okay. But if you want to talk about the biggest elevation um, from, you know, again, outlook of last year to this year, you know, Buffalo Bills have to be in that conversation. They've had, I don't know, Buffalo two, Bills. maybe three stellar, stellar drafts in a row. Um, mm-hmm. You add in a guy like Stephon Diggs. Uh, AJ Espinosa was a guy who I was really high on out of the draft. They get him in the second round. Um, after again, Edmonds just in the last couple of years here, Tredavious White has turned into, you know, one of the best cornerbacks in football. So, I mean, just across the board, they've just built a really, really solid football team that is, dare I say, Josh Allen proof, because I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I know that this is a constant, a constant raging debate between people. Um, I don't understand how it is. I, I, we've crapped on Josh Allen on this show since he was, uh, since, 
that he first started popping up on on the draft list uh, back a couple years ago. Um, I mean, he's this guy who can't complete 60% of his passes. Great with his feet. Um, if he can became, become a game manager and they have enough weapons around him, I think you can win in spite of him. Um, but, you know, he, he's definitely the weak, weak link on that team. But outside of that, I think they built that team um, pretty incredibly. Yeah, wow, that's a good one. I, I, I didn't. Uh, those are some really good uh, takes there. So why is that cheating? Because you just couldn't decide between the two, or is it you thought one was going to be more popular than the other? Yeah, I mean, I gave two answers. You're not allowed to give two answers, but you know, <laughs> I, for all for all the all the shit talking I've done over the years to the Bills Mafia uh, on that's here on say. Twitter in shocked. my articles, uh, I finally have to hand out an olive branch. But you know, I think uh, this just proves I'm fair if nothing else, right? So I call it as I see it, and uh, the Bills have finally built a real competitor and. With the decline of the Patriots, um, at least for for this year, we'll see what you know the two year, three year plan looks like for them. Uh, but the step back they've taken this year, it's really the, the Bills' division to lose now. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's something you heard it here first. He's back in the Bills as one of the most improved teams in the NFL in 2020. So that's something to look forward to. All right, let's hit the bell on that topic. Let's move on to our next one, Adam. I know as we've been saying, we've been cranking along there. You've been cranking along in that Burgundy Gold report. Lots of stuff happening. To the Washington football team. I mean, it sounds, still sounds a little weird to me, but it is, uh, it is, it is what it is. And there is a lot of stuff going on out there. I won't hit you up with some of the obvious stuff that I talked to you pre-show. <laughs> I'm just gonna let you talk. <laughs> Tell us what are the biggest questions for the Washington football team, and then I'm gonna circle back at the end. I'm gonna ask you for your prediction of their record in 2020. Sure. You know, of, of course, the, the name change and everything aside, that's just been, you know, what's engulfed the media. And I, and I pretty much stayed away from, you know, with the kind of content I put out. Um, <clears throat> but I think right. without a question, everyone's going to look at, you know, um, Dwayne Haskins and the young receiving core that they never um, really looked outside the free agency to, you know, sign somebody. I think, you know, the Mari Cooper was, you know, their golden goose, and they struck out. Uh, money couldn't talk this time for Snyder. He wanted to stay in Dallas. So, um, in my opinion, I think that this actually was the best thing that could have happened. You know, they would have you argue that we could see another win or two with Amari Cooper, but I just don't look at him as a $100 million kind of receiver that's going to, you know, take us to a Super Bowl. So I think in uh-huh. the end, what they did by building the youth, you know, again, it's a big question mark. But at the same time, I think what they've done is gone out and emulated teams like the San Francisco 49ers on defense and looked what the Kansas City Chiefs have done on offense speed. You know, getting um, Antonio Gibson from Memphis um, was a selection uh, a la, you know, Tyreek Hill kind of signing because what that did is it gives them options in the, you know, the run-pass game because I think with the recent things that happened with Darius Geist, that they knew going in that there was already question marks, you know, with our other guy, Bryce Love, there's question marks. So it's always coming back to injury, but, you know, just to round it up, it's the offensive line to me. Cause I think Dwayne Haskins will take a step by the receivers McLaurin to me. He's even at such a young age, he's one of the best in the league, but the offensive line is, is the question, you know, when you lose someone like Trent Williams, granted he's been out for so long already, but, you know, in Washington, they've been blessed to have, you know, back-to-back Chris Samuels first and Trent Williams. So we're talking about, you know, close to a decade and a half or two decades where left tackle has not been an issue. Um, bringing in Sadiq Charles from LSU in the fourth round was, you know, a great move in my opinion, and I think that they're definitely going to get value. And the question is, will he be ready? Um, I think that, you know, bringing in Cornelius Lucas from Chicago, another journeyman, you know, that left side's a big question mark. So right now the offensive line is going to have a lot of problems. But what I am basically looking at is what's 
been done with this defensive line. And as I mentioned, the mm-hmm. San Francisco, following the San Francisco blueprint, you know, bringing in Chase Young was the final part of what they, in my opinion, I don't care what anybody says, you know, investing three to four first-round picks on the defensive line is exactly what San Francisco did. They did pretty much what, the, what they're doing with the back end with the linebackers in Landon Collins uh, as far as uh, Jaquizi Tart who they have over there. So I think you have a lot of similar things they're doing, not just in the front line, but what that's uh-huh. going to do is that's going to keep this team competitive um, until the offense can get its footing. But I'm just one of those people that as far as Dwayne Haskins, I have not seen enough. I've not seen enough to say he's going to be a flop and I have not seen enough to say he's going to be great. But I think at worst, I don't see anything worse than a game manager for him and with a ceiling of somebody that can, you know, really, grow with an offensive coordinator like Scott Turner and, you know, being able to utilize a strong arm. So although there's question marks, especially on the offensive side of the ball, I think that Dwayne Haskins has shown me a little by his maturation in this offseason. And, again, I just love Terry McLaurin. So I think that, you know, with that combination, it's definitely going to be, you know, an unusual year for us. But with a lot of the COVID and other, you know, players going already on IR, I think this is an opportunity for a team like the Redskins to go far because everyone's remember they won the Super Bowl in '91. That was the that was the year we had a lot of scabs playing, and um, yep. this might be an opportunity like that to go far. I don't know about Super Bowl, but I don't think the division would be out of the question with uh, this type of defensive line that they've put together. Well, most definitely defense, very very important. I'm all on board on that. Being a Bears fan, thinking that defense is important, sometimes more important than offense. Although it's really hard to win when your when your uh, when your quarterback sucks, like in my team. So, you know, kudos <laughs> to you guys building it from the bottom up. Hey, give us your prediction for the record in 2020. Uh, I, I really think you know we're looking at eight and eight. I think that if a few things can go right, like you said, with, with Dwayne Haskins, I think the defense is going to put them in a position to operate in a short field on, on a lot of occasions. And by bringing in, you know, people, like I said, mentioned Antonio Gibson from Memphis, I'm a firm believer that Adrian Peterson is going to have a big year. He's had nearly 2,000 yards in just, just wow. over two seasons of games. So I think that he's one of those guys that I'm not going to rely on that's going to have huge games. But he's going to get us the first downs. He's going to keep us in games. He's going to get us those short touchdowns. So I think even though it's a big jump from three wins, I think it's a total new staff, total new regime. I think, you know, going from three and 13 to eight and eight. And, again, possibly going for the division because you're having teams, you know, Nate Soldier with the Giants uh, elected opting not to play. And you're having different right. players that are just, you know, opting out. So I think – Depth is going to be a big issue, which an article I actually have coming up about how important depth is going to be. And I think Washington, for the first time since the early to mid-90s, have put together some depth that they'll be able to sustain, you know, some kind of run. And 8-8 eight and eight seems like, you know, that could definitely be uh, a way to possibly get them a wild card. But I think uh, wishful thinking is one thing. But uh, everything that I'm seeing, I, again, on paper, because injuries happen, that, you know, 8-8 eight and eight is definitely a realm of possibility with, um, you know, Philadelphia, Dallas. And I don't think that – I think the Giants are going to take a step back this year. So, I think that we'll be able to be competitive with uh, with, with Dallas and well, Philadelphia for sure. It, it's hard for the Giants to take much of a step back. They're pretty far back there already. But I get it. So yeah. Go ahead and – it's 8-8, uh, eight and eight, definitely uh, worth taking a look at. And I, I don't doubt that there's a possibility there that, that that could happen. I would love to actually finish the season 8-8 eight eight as a Bears fan, so that is fantastic. All right, well, thanks for that insight on the uh, on, on the Washington football team. And 
you know, everybody should go check out the Burgundy and Gold Report because there's a lot more of that where that came from. And uh, and if you keep track of uh, Adam, and we're going to give your social media at the end of the at the end of the show, definitely follow him because he pops up all over the place giving his thoughts and opinions, interviews. All- Last topic of the night, and that is college football. I know we're an NFL podcast, but as we're all aware now, several college football conferences have now called it quits for the fall, starting with the Mid-American. Along, uh, coming along, we already had some confirmation that SEC and ACC will in, will play. They're intending to continue to play, but there are some questions for some of the other conferences. And, of course, two uh, independents also decided to opt out for fall football, UConn and UMass. Now, there's still plenty left, like I said. And, of course, my favorite team and Ryan's favorite college team, I'd like to say, is Notre Dame. They're, they're intending to play with the ACC. should be interesting how that plays out. But there are question marks in light of the recent postponements as to how that will play out as well. So let me start with you, Ryan. College football conferences shutting down football all over the place. It's starting to get a little bit scary in terms of whether we're going to have a season in college football. First of all, agree or disagree with the college football conferences shutting down football for the fall? And do you think this will have any impact on whether we have an NFL season? So I don't think it'll have an impact. I mean, if anything – and we might have talked about this two weeks ago. I, I forget a little bit, honestly. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, we might we might be looking at a, a situation where it's almost more incentive because um, uh, Goodell was an opportunity uh, to, to own Saturday and Sunday uh, through mm-hmm. uh, through the through the NFL season where you can split up all the good games and, and put them on to two days, you know, and, and then Monday and then with Thursday. Thursday night football. Um, I know. I know. TNF ratings have uh, historically not been great, and Monday, Monday night football I think has been down the last several years, um, just because those you know the, pr- the premier game is Sunday night now. But uh, but when you have uh, nothing else to do because we're all you know still going in, and I know a lot of states like I'm in Massachusetts where we started to open uh, open back up and things have been going well, but cases have spiked again. So now we're kind of uh, not back in full shutdown, but some of the freedoms have been restricted and. The, and the, um, so it's coming back, and so if that happens into that year, I mean, you can imagine that you know we'll, people people will watch. Uh, you know, the Titans are better now, but that old the old historical <laughs> game we used to make fun of around here was that that year yes. Titans uh, Jacksonville uh, Thursday. I know. Like no one wants to watch. <laughs> that would be one we'd all be dying to watch at this point. So I, I would um, I would give my I left mean, arm to watch that right now. <laughs> hell, I've been watching out of market baseball games, and baseball is my least favorite of, of the big four. So uh, if I'm doing that, I'm, I'm certainly watching out of out of market or, and, or AFC South uh, divisional games uh, on Thursday night. So, um, so it'll probably be in the sense that way. I mean, I've seen a lot of things, and um, it really is it really is funny to me sometimes. Just that I feel like people can't see the forest from the trees, and I've seen a lot of uh, a lot of the big time uh, college guys on uh, meaning uh, college uh, analysts and writers and uh, TV right. personalities uh, posting stuff the last couple of days on Twitter, like. Oh, oh, are they not going to have them go to school now? Like, there's some conspiracy to keep the schools open, but shut down. I don't know the second most profitable sport in North in North America. Like, you think you think if there's a way to reasonably do it that, that the NCAA and the college and the college uh, uh, programs don't want the football revenue? Like, that doesn't make any logical yeah. sense to me. Uh, that's one too. Uh, if your value system says that we should have sports over over school, 
that says to me that you might be looking at it the wrong way as well. So, um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think it just makes sense. You know, we we looked at it. We talked about it a couple weeks ago about the bubble cities, and we talked about that, how it's yep. – um, I don't see – you know, I think the NFL will have to adopt that model. Um, since that time, just like everything, we're, we're learning stuff as it goes. Um, the MLB has – uh, kind of flatlined and, and corrected some of the early season issues, so maybe it is possible to do what they're doing. Um, with that said, there's just there's just too much going on uh, with uh, or, or the rosters are too big. There's too many people involved in college. There's too many college teams. I just don't see logistically how you do it. Um, and, and I know that this is the idea of interconference play only, um, and I think that this just changes the sport too much. You know, I know I know I know sports have all adapted and made some changes to to be. Um, adhering to the new environment, but I mean, just interconference play uh, for a college football season. Like, I mean, sure, as a fan, I'll take it, but that that right. seems like the biggest deviation from the normal um, that any of the sports would be facing. So, I'm not very pro that personally. So, I, I just don't right. see reasonably how you do it this year. Um, doing it in the spring doesn't make sense to me either, because then the guys who are going to the pros what, they're going to play an 11-game spring season and they're going to roll out there for a mini-kid. They're going to play, you know, basically that would that would require a lot of these guys to play 10, 11 months of football in a row. I mean, the, the data is there. After four or five months, these guys break down. You can't you can't do it like that. So, um, you know, I just I, I just don't see how you get a college season in this year. Um, I'll stand corrected if they figure it out. Um, I think eventually we're, we'll, we'll be – I'll be thankful if we have the NFL – um, but I'm not hopeful we have the, the NCAA this year. Yeah, and then, uh, of course, lots of uh, incentive to go forward with this on a revenue perspective. I mean, as we all know, NFL stands to lose uh, $5.5 billion just by not having fans in the stands. $5.5 billion. And if they don't have a season, they stand to lose at least another $8 billion. Now, as a, to put a little perspective, obviously colleges make less than that. And that's all the NFL in, in total. So, don't, you know, that's a little bit misleading. But Nebraska actually came out recently after the Big Ten scuttled the season and said they intend to try and play outside the conference. Uh, just to let you know, Nebraska Athletics brings in $136.2 million in revenues last year. Um, now, obviously not all that is football, but a lion's share of it is. That is a lot of money. And if they shut down all sports, that is a significant amount of revenue for uh, Nebraska. So certainly there's a lot of incentive there. But safety first, obviously very important. Let's turn to you there, um, Adam, ask you about the same thing. Agree, disagree with the college, what the college conferences are doing, and will this have any impact on the NFL? Um, oh, for sure. <laughs> it's going to have an impact immediately. It's going to actually force um, a lot of scouts, you know, people like me, independent film evaluators, to really go back into older tape, which, you know, it's definitely one way to do it. But when you're comparing film, you like to compare an evolution of the game from year to year. So that's definitely going to hurt. Um, it's going to make uh, – uh, scouts actually in my opinion I've actually heard other people talk about more valuable this day and age because they're going to have to you know reach out to more friends family you know there's a lot more that can be done in the scouting process uh, with such a limited situation but and I was glad you mentioned uh, the spring because an article I actually read today from Kevin Seaford from ESPN was a spring league bubble concept that they're talking about having in Vegas where they're going to have six teams and have a six-team tournament uh, with 228 players and 38 players per team. So I think this is going to be interesting to see what happens with the SEC and the other teams because I think even though if we're not having a, if we have an abbreviated season, we're still getting film for the NFL. You're still getting uh-huh. enough for college football to get their to get their nut in the end. 
So I think, uh-huh. you know, the way it's working out, it's not the most ideal way, but I'll be honest with you, nothing right now in this country is being handled the right way when it comes to this situation. <laughs> you know, there's right. schools out there where players are reporting their coaches, nobody's wearing masks, whatever your opinion, political or not on it, you know, there's guidelines in place. And these own players, they can't even trust their own their own coaches. So it's a really, you know, it's a dumpster fire, the whole thing right now. College football, I have very little hope. I think you might see an SEC come out with, you know, some some great games. But other than that, probably be, you know, not much going on. And I think it's going to be the NFL. The NFL is going to be the biggest game in town. And if yep. they have players that continue to get COVID, they'll just continue to crank them out. You know, we they have the luxury of having practice squads at a bit larger number this year. So to be able to have more players in the practice squad, you know, unfortunately a lot of draft picks and undrafted players were hurt because of lack of preseason. So the well is not going to run dry. So that's what it's going to come down to. I don't think the NFL will do what baseball did with, uh, you know, talk about the Marlins as far as if, unless they have an outbreak, I think they'll just be able to cut you. It'll be like player, more players going to IR. So, again, that's why yeah. I think depth is going to be so valuable. And it's going to be a bad year for college football, but I think it'll still be a good year for the NFL. And it'll make it a little more trickier with evaluating. But I think they're going to put different all-star games in place. Like I mentioned, the Las Vegas Spring um, Tournament, they'll have different things like that in place after the fall. So after the fall and winter, I think we'll get a better idea, you know, how the whole process is going to work. But a season deferred to the spring, I don't see that happening. I don't see that working. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely a lot of issues still to work out there. Hopefully, NFL still pulls through. Over 60 fo- uh, 60 players opted out. Greater scheme of things, but depth incredibly important. So, some great thoughts there on the college football conferences and how that may or may not impact the NFL. But that's all the time we have today. So let's hit the air horn on the show. It always goes so quickly, Adam. Thanks so much for joining us today. It's always awesome having you on the show. Um, anything, and like I said, I already said all the fantastic stuff you put up on the Burgundy and Gold Report, uh, lots of great content. Everyone should lock it in there. But is there anything you'd like to promo that's coming out soon? Again, like I was mentioning, you know, how important the depth is going to be with COVID-19. And I have an article coming out, uh, the other guys. Uh, basically, you know, some guys that are maybe some fan favorites among, you know, some people in Washington might not be known to, you know, other people outside of the layman fan. So just focus mm-hmm. on some of these core guys that are getting an opportunity um, to get some time this year. It could be valuable, you know, cogs with the way um, Rivera and Jack Del Rio 101 run their defense. Um, other than that, you can find all my um, podcast appearances, my articles on my site, which is burgundyandgoldreport.wordpress.com. And you can follow me at the B&G Report on Twitter, uh, lowercase r, at the B&G Report. And it's always a pleasure talking ball with you guys, man. Hopefully, you know, we can continue to keep this going through the season and, you know, oh, there, yeah. there there won't be any talk of, uh, you know, a season canceled. But uh, I think there's, from everything I'm hearing, we're going to be have a lot of uh, NFL content to talk about this year. That's going to be awesome. That's going to be awesome. All right, Ryan. Hey, I, I was going to talk to you about this a little earlier. He had some great content come out in Fantasy Pros and DFS baseball stuff. I actually won some money. So thank you for that. <laughs> so anything you want to promo that's coming out in the near future? Yeah, uh, just uh, every Monday, Tuesday, I have uh, a uh, DraftKings DFS article that drops on, uh, uh, on on Fantasy Pros. So you can check that out. I promote it on Twitter. Um, 
and uh, it takes me about you know four to five hours to do because, as I said, baseball is my least favorite of the four. So trust me that I have to do a crap ton of research to actually put that together. Because if you think I'm right. pulling out slashes for uh, for Darby Swanson out of uh, out of uh, the Atlanta Braves every single week, like like I know how he's doing, I don't know how he's doing until Sunday night. So um, so the research in there is immaculate. The the personal insight and uh, the eyeball tests are not always there. Uh, but yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryan Wickfield. Any thought I just mentioned since. Uh, uh, you guys were talking about how it's just an unusual year in sports. Um, that uh, that Lightning yep. Columbus game is now going into uh, the uh, fifth overtime. Right. Uh, yep. <laughs> and because of that, the Bruins game uh, against the Carolina Hurricanes has now been rescheduled for 11 a.m. tomorrow. That's right. The Bruins will start the playoffs at 11 a.m. on a Wednesday. If that doesn't get you geared up for a playoff run, uh, I don't know what will. Uh, I just saw somebody tweeted out uh, 11 a.m weekday start time for the Stanley Cup playoffs in an empty arena in a neutral site. Uh, it's hard oh. to not get up for that one. So Only uh, in 2020. So anyway, <laughs> if you're looking for me at 11 a.m. tomorrow, I will be working. No, don't. Wink. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> well, I'm still waiting for my, my, my tonight at 1030. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, I'm, I'm psyched. I actually like them piping the noise in. Uh, truthfully, it actually feels right to me. I know a lot of people didn't like that, but done, I actually like that. It's done really done well. The NHL's done the best restart of all the four majors so far. It's been, it's been yep. a perfect uh, just environment. Like you said, the, the fake noise. Some of the, like in baseball, it sounds a little fake at times, but it sounds perfect in the, in the hockey arena. They've done a great job. Absolutely. Totally agree. All right. Well, I'll wish you luck there with the Bruins, and thank you again, Adam, for joining us. Thanks again, all you who came out to listen, for wasting time with us. And until next time, enjoy your NFL week. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. 